Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. In this episode, I am sitting down in our studio in Williamsburg with the Katy Perry. Okay, so it may not be the international pop star, but it is Katy Perry, the GM of B2B and editorial at Public, which is the investing app that you all know and love for their very socialized version and content-driven version of investing for all. So I am so thrilled to finally get a chance to sit down with Katie. We are learning more about her background and how she got integrated into the fintech space. We are learning all of what public is up to these days, especially uh, a couple years post GameStop and, and all of that madness. And we're talking content and how the the investing platform is really working to implement more financial education, knowledge, power, and we love to see it. So it is back to basics, it is back to fundamentals, it is back to the money strategies that our mom and dads tried to teach us when we were younger, or at least some of us. And Katy Perry is here dishing it all. So enjoy the conversation. Katy Perry, the Katy Perry. Hello. Welcome to Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited about the SEO possibilities. I know. <laughs> With this. Wait, because you know that now the blue checks are gone. Like she doesn't have one and I don't have one and people are legitimately confused. So do you maybe get we'll get some views. Do you get maybe this will finally go viral. Do you get messages from people thinking you're Katy Perry? Yes. I got a DM last week. Somebody's sending me a video of their child singing, which I assume is for American Idol. So I always write back. I'm like, they're really good. Like, even if they're not. And I'm like, I'm not. You write back? Like, what do you? Yeah, it's. I mean, might as well. It could be worse. It could be way worse. Yeah. Like, thank okay. you so much for sending me your your child's song. It's. I know. It, it's a little pitchy. Yeah. You know, like you can just. The stage mom and dads are like finding new avenues now. They're just like hitting people in the DMs. Anyone with remotely the same name. Oh, get my idea. Oh, my gosh. Have you heard of YouTube? That's where <laughs> everyone else gets famous. But anyways, thank you again for joining me. Thanks for coming to the studio in Williamsburg. How's it going? It's good. I'm excited to be here in person with you and excited to be featured as a human of fintech. I never thought I would be a human of fintech. I know. So this most, is very exciting. Most people don't think they're going to be humans of fintech. Yeah. That's kind of the almost the point of this show yeah. right? is to learn about how does one become a human yeah. of fintech? Because usually it's like a falling into it situation. Is that what happened for you? Yes. I never would have thought I would end up working in financial services or fintech. I studied journalism in college, which I know right. you can relate to. And I was always like a newspaper nerd, loved like very nosy as a child, like precocious, digging into things, like loved storytelling. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. And then I ended up graduating in the last recession and the job market was so bad. I was like, OK, I guess I could do marketing. And so that's how I ended up in, in marketing on that path. But and prior to public where I work now, I never worked in financial services. So that was scary at first. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's been a really interesting ride. And in between, I had all sorts of roles at startups and agencies at different size companies. So my background's a little bit zigzag. All over the place. Is it pretty marketing heavy, though? 
consistently? Yeah, my first job was at an ad agency. And actually, it was one of the first ad agencies to do social media. So like they did the, I don't know if you remember the Oreo tweet that like went viral with like 10,000 retweets. At the time, everyone was like, break the internet. And it's like... (laughs) Uh, oh so I was there and then I did uh, I did B2B marketing at a SaaS company and I've done consulting for startups. So mostly marketing focused, but I kind of have I've done corporate strategy, a little bit of IR. And then in my new role, I do content and B2B partnerships. Yeah. Well, see, I love to hear that. And I think it's important for the audience to hear that because I get so many messages from people thinking that they have to have like some sort of finance or tech background to be in the fintech space. And I don't know, these days it's seemingly like better if you don't, right? It's like, yes. do you really want a former banker to, I mean, no shade of bankers, former bankers in fintech. But, you know, like we kind of want that different mindset. Yeah, it depends on the role. I mean, obviously there's functions where it's helpful to have all your licenses and sometimes it's right. required. But for the role I came in, my job was a kind of our initial goal at Public, which is an investing app, um, was to make this stuff more mainstream. And so I rolled in there and I'm like looking through the existing emails and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I'm like Googling things. And, you know, if I'm the target, it actually helped. I was able to kind of view it from the outside and rethink kind of how we were going about things. Even from a marketing sense early on, we never really marketed the company like a financial services or a fintech company. We marketed like a mass consumer product. Mm. So I do think like, yeah, if anyone's thinking about going into fintech, I mean, obviously, depending on your role, some roles require that background, but a lot of times it could be an advantage to be an outsider. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think it gives you more empathy with your customers, especially, you know, I I feel like in general, there needs to be more diversity all around in fintech, but especially like class. And you think about just being aware of like how the average American lives and just being more attuned to that audience, because that's the reality for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And well, I think that was such a interesting move when like GameStop happened. Gosh, that was 2020, 2021, 2021, 2021. I'll never, I will never forget. I will never, I actually, I will never forget. It's so embarrassing. I was on my Spotify the other day and I was just going through all my old playlists and I had made this like pump up jam because we were all working like 18 hours days when that was happening. And it's like, it was so corny. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm the biggest nerd. But yeah, it was wild. That was February 2021. Right. And you were at Public Art. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Actually, so this is actually really where my like my connection to public became because when GameStop was happening and I was still a reporter, I think, gosh, I feel like I had like the day off and then I didn't have and then I no longer had the day off. Like it was no more. Um, It was all of a sudden, you know, all hands on deck, emergency, emergency. Everyone is covering this from all these different angles. And I actually think I did a social media one. And that might be how I kind of like naturally yeah. found my way to public because of that kind of parallel, right? With like public's app being kind of like a, almost like a Twitter for, yeah. but for stocks and, and investing and, and almost socializing it. But I feel like for me, you, your company was one of the first I saw to do it. Not saying like you were the first, but just yeah. for me personally, that's who I was looking at, yeah. you know, before I even saw the others. I mean, there's Robin Hood, but we don't talk about them. Yeah, the original premise of the company was that like sometimes beyond like the economics of that being a barrier to entry, which there's obviously structural things and big, big societal reasons why there's people aren't investing beyond that. It's kind of like the financial literacy gap. And a lot of people do learn from others. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like the early premise of the company. Let's make it so you could actually discuss ideas with other people, not feel so alone. And that was sort of the beginning genesis of 
kind of how we were differentiating. And then over time, and what my team does now is we've essentially built this content layer around the investing experience, which was super important last year, especially, you know, things were really volatile. And in public, you wouldn't just open your app and see your portfolio down. There were shows explaining what the Fed was doing, earnings breakdowns. And so I think it's about creating a place where you can learn while you're actually actively building a portfolio. And that kind of all stemmed from that initial like social feature, which now is part of a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And what it leans into the part where people or the consumer right nowadays are more interested in learning about finance from a friend or social media, like they would rather trust that. And to be able to, I guess, combine both, right, is like a cool feature. And I do think public really set this like tone of bringing culture into this like financial fintech investing world. And now it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Going back to, I remember when I first started at public, I'm trying to explain this to some of my friends. Like, I don't have a lot of friends in this industry, and I, I love that. And they're like, oh, cool, like my 401k, you know, stuff like that. And then, boom, you know, 2021, I have friends who had never talked about this stuff asking me, what do you think of Crocs? And I'm like, wow, like, you know, like, A, I did not know they were publicly traded until right now. B, like, I have friends sending me stock charts. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a good thing in that moment because because that moment was so mainstream and everything was kind of I think there was like an SNL skit where Pete Davidson was like some sort of like GameStop trader or something crazy. Everyone knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. That was like the introduction for a lot of people to how this stuff works. And then the next phase of that was like over the course of 22 into mm -hmm. this year, like the lessons that come with that. Like a lot of people who entered 2020 when I joined public and beyond, it was just going up. Mm -hmm. And so... It is interesting to kind of see the evolution of people over time and like what they're turning to. We actually did. We always survey our members just to get a gut check on like their behaviors, their attitudes. And after 2022, they still said they talk to their friends and rely on their friends, but they're diversifying their sources a little more. Mm. So looking for trusted sources in addition to, you know, what was going on mm -hmm. in the meme stock sort of way where people would see something and act. Right. And well, I am a believer and advocate that the fintech industry should step into that role because I do think we're getting to a place where some of the you know the personal finance influencers out there are just like so big now mm -hmm. that I feel like they are doing just like I mean amazing work and but it's almost yeah it's like when something gets too big right it's like okay well now what do I look to next or who do I go to next type of thing yeah. and anyway I just think that there's like a I do feel deeply in my soul that there is this like opportunity gap for people in the fintech industry and leaders in the fintech industry to really like showcase what financial technology actually is because I think there's still a lack of awareness of what this industry actually is and does yep. and it kind of stops after at the personal finance creator and influencer like okay cool save budget all that stuff and then it goes up to but use this app, you know, whatever app they're promoting. And then that's where the education mm -hmm. stops, I feel. Yeah, it's so embedded into your day-to-day -day life. And one thing we've said since the beginning at Public was that, like, the smarter our members are getting over time, the better for our business. Mm -hmm. So after GameStop, we stopped relying on payment for order flow as a revenue channel, which meant um, we wanted to, like, unalign our incentives. <laughs> I don't know, miss a lot. <laughs> Create aligned incentives with our members. Right. Basically make it so that we weren't, you know, incentivized to promote more frequent trading. 
And the thought was that if our members are getting smarter over time and they're building long-term portfolios, that's where our business is going to be the strongest. Mm-hmm. How do they get there? There's a lot of different things that go into that. But part of it is like the education and like the context. So like when something's happening in the market, like just having some information there from trusted, credible sources or people you follow in the community or your friends and a mix of those things is really important, especially when things are really volatile as they have been in the past couple of years. Mm. How is the content going now? It's amazing. Our editorial team's awesome. We have, I'm always amazed at like the caliber of people we get on. We do these live shows every day. We do the open in the morning, the close and at the closing bell. And we have these one-off shows and we've had, we had a NASA engineer come on and talk about how they work with the private sector on satellite projects. We have people who literally roll off the CNBC set, Mm -hmm. tech analysts and come on our show. So, and I think the, Kind of like the old school industry people, like some of these analysts we work with and journalists, it's amazing because they love doing these because they feel like they're reaching an entirely new Mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's going really well. Um, In addition to the shows we do, we moved into video now. We also do like reports in the platform. So there's a lot there that people can dig into beyond just, you know, trading and investing. Mm -hmm. Does the content live just in the app? Yes, you can get some of it outside the app, but most of it's embedded within the experience. We have started to put some of our stuff out on Spotify and YouTube just to get it out there more. But most of it's designed to be so like when you're in your portfolio, there's something to do in public, even if you're not transacting right. that day, which I think is different than a lot of other platforms. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's so cool. I think, you know, the creator economy is that direct response to the distrust in traditional media. Right there. And the distrust in just any traditional system generally at this point is is only increasing. Right. Especially as millennials and Gen Zers just continue to take over. They're already half the population at this point. So taking over. Yeah, exactly. And so I still can't get houses, but we are taking over (laughs) with our our rentals. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to like the content itself, though, you know, how do you I guess it's just a day to day thing that you like you pull from? Yeah, we have a team that that's yeah. their focus every day is basically wake up, contextualize what's going on for our members. Yeah. Um, we have a network of great like former journalists, current journalists who hop in as, as hosts. Mm-hmm. Again, like I have that journalism background, like similar to you, where like yeah. I'm viewing this as like, this is like, you know, we need editorial integrity. Yeah. We need great sources. We need objectivity. And it's not just like pushing content out for the sake of pushing right. content. It's like, let's break this down. Let's contextualize this in a way where people can wake up 15 minutes, get the headlines and feel like, okay, they got it. They know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So when they see things on Twitter or in other places, they have the context. Yeah, it was, I know even earlier when you were explaining it in my head, when you said our editorial team, I was like, wow, who would have thought we'd see the day (laughs) of FinTech apps having having editorial teams? But thank goodness, right? Because it's what's really needed. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to you know, the content, I also think that we're at that place right now because there's the volatility and all the doom and gloom. We're back to basics, right? We're back to the boring stuff. Yes. Right. Remember crypto? That was a thing. It's- boring is so cool, right? <laughs> all the kids are doing And now it. people just want to know how to save. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's I think it's good. It's just funny to like, I feel like I've lived this shift. Yeah. Um, but it's all the stuff my dad's been saying since day one, basically, or my grandpa and like treasuries. We added T-bills on our platform. 
as soon as we did that, it reminded me of like growing up on my birthday, my grandpa would give me savings bonds. And I felt like so like patriotic or like, I don't know. <laughs> there was something like very like responsible about yeah. that. Even when I was 11, I'm like, okay, I have it, but I can't spend it. And I don't really need my parents would like put it in the bank and I don't even, they're probably still there. <laughs> I don't know. Wherever it went, I don't even know. Yeah. Or like, you know, dividend stocks, people are talking about the Fed rate and it's just like night and day. But I think it just shows how people are evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, our treasuries product, like I think that's been one of the most invested in assets compared to like anything else in our platform since we launched those. And people are investing much more into those than other things. Another thing that's been really trending lately is like precious metals ETFs. Like, you know, this is like people are still into AI and robotics (laughs) and Tesla, but like it's the boring stuff that people are really digging into. And it's good because it's exposing them to new things. And but it's just funny, the 180 that the industry. Right. It was a little backwards. Yeah, it's odd. And even, you know, like surveys that come out today are sharing how fintech users are interested like plaid survey or something will be like well the three things that they want to learn the most about is how to build an emergency savings how to actually budget and then how to build up their credit score and i'm like those are pretty basic financial literacy and education things yeah and i bet if you know i were to look back at that same plaid survey you know like a year or two ago it would have been a completely different it would have been like just maybe investing or crypto or whatever. And now it's, as much money as possible. Yeah. And now everyone's like, how do I actually have an emergency fund yeah. so that I yeah. feel safe or, oh, my gosh. I mean, who would have thought that like Apple launching a high yield savings account yeah. would be like the buzziest yep. thing on Twitter all day? I think it's good that people are anchored into these things. And it's just interesting because it's almost like finance went mainstream. And even though we're not talking about Dogecoin, it's still mainstream. <laughs> we're just talking about like Powell and like what he's yeah. doing and. We had a show after one of the Fed meetings a couple months ago, and there's like 5,000 live listeners yeah. like in the middle of the day on like a Wednesday. Yeah. And I'm like, don't tell me that people don't care about this stuff. It's just that they need a different way to access it a lot of times. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, it stayed mainstream. It's just the topics are shifting. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that actually, you know, I think that's a good point. And I'm trying to write the story eventually. And I've been talking to some people about it, but it's like I'm kind of tired of hearing that uh, B2C fintech is dead or, you know, just because there's less funding there. Like we like to be like that. Ooh, less money there. It must just be dead. It must just like cease to exist. And it's like, "Mm, I think, no, that is. Did we solve poverty? Like, did we solve? (laughs) Oh, we're done. We can all go home. I know we're done. Well, the VCs don't care anymore. So it's over. Done. No more headlines. B2C fintech dead. Only B2B. SaaS, BAS only. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that all the things that we're talking about in terms of content and just like basic education to me is like case closed. This stuff's not, this isn't done. Yeah. I think it's on like a product standpoint, a business standpoint, it just, you've seen those charts like that are all the logos and it's a real like ego check, like to be a company (laughs) like us where you're just like, oh, right, there's like a thousand. Um, And so differentiating (laughs) is really important. Like when I describe public and people ask, how is it different? It's like, yeah, you could open the app store and there's like 40 apps where you could buy the same stock, same crypto. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you know, you have to differentiate yourself. It's hard. Yeah. And the way I think of it is like, you know, Starbucks in the 90s, you could get coffee at a gas station, you can get coffee at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. at like an independent shop. They created a different vibe around the act of buying a cup of coffee. Coffee's coffee. Yes, there's different kinds. They have better quality than some places, but they had different lighting. They had different music. They had different focus on customer 
experience. And that's kind of what set them apart, even though everyone was selling a cup of coffee. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we're trying to do is create like a different kind of experience around the act of buying assets and also offering more assets in one place. So we also have alternative assets and crypto and T-bills and things like that. It's like so refreshing to see so many more women leading these B2C companies when I think about it. Like not that long ago, like Liza Landsman from Stash was on the show mm-hmm. sitting in your seat. And you know, we, I just had like Sarah Levy from Betterment, uh, their new CEO of well, two years, but, you know, new-ish. And it's so nice to hear everyone talking about how much they care about the actual user experience and education and aren't just like so heavily on the, I mean, you, yes, we care about profits. We're not a charity, but you know what I mean? Like it's just the fresh perspective I think is so needed in this time. Like this is the best time to be thinking about how do we change? How do we evolve? And, you know, something I'm, I read Julia Bornstein's, I just interviewed her last night, her book, When Women Lead. And she does this whole like section about how women are just more inherently motivated to look at the whole forest, right? Like if mm-hmm. if men's brains are just naturally like down to figure out and how to solve the problem right away and they see the trees, but women see the forest. Yeah. And I do think that kind of is a perfect, that's like the leadership we need in these moments where things feel dead, funding down. Oh my goodness. You know, in the volatile times. Yeah. And I do think like sometimes doing good things mm-hmm. is what's good for the business. So like early on, we invested a lot in like building a world-class customer support team. Like, those are, like, the true heroes. If you talk about, like, Frontline, like, the GameStop stuff, they built an amazing playbook for just, like, top-tier CX. And that was an investment the company made, and that helped us grow a community of people that loved our product. Mm -hmm. They felt good about being there. They trusted us. And it wasn't just, like, oh, we're just going to do the right thing. That was, like, a business decision as much as it was, like, a nice thing to do. And I think... Sometimes people think that like it's binary and it's like a choice, like, oh, I can't yeah. do the right thing or I'll do what's good for business when like a lot of times it can be aligned. And so I think we need kind of to find more of those intersections where it's good for the business. It's good for the customer. Everyone mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. Which means we just need to have more women speaking at uh, conferences. That would and, be, yeah. And panels. That would be great. Uh, yeah, especially like the industry stuff, because I know I get tired of hearing the same thing. I did a session the other day and um, what well, was a presentation? I was like terrified. I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to go up there and do a master class on authenticity. <laughs> Is this going to go well? I was like more nervous about that than like the actual public speaking part. And I mean, it's so crazy to like do that at a fintech conference. And then I couldn't even believe people were coming up to me after yeah. being like, wow, thank you. I've like never heard anything like that. Probably so different than what they had. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I feel like in finance, we are always, everyone's aligned, like diversification's good Mm -hmm. when they're talking about their portfolio. And then it's like, okay, keep going. Like, you know, like (laughs) ideas, people, thoughts, like that makes us better too. It's the same concept. It's just weird that, especially in finance, it's like meta because everyone in the space knows that diversification is the best way to kind of strengthen your portfolio over time Mm. not investment advice of course but like and then we don't extend it to like the people and the ideas that would actually make this stuff way better and that's probably what happened with you people like it was a breath of fresh air they probably never heard anything like that yeah oh so true I mean how are you feeling like representation wise since you've been in the industry it's weird I (laughs) I, well it is weird I start my first job I was at an ad agency and it had 
it was actually like I was there around when Mad Men was out. And I remember thinking Mad Men was weird because there was a lot of women in leadership positions at the company. The president was a woman. So like my first job, I was so lucky. It was just like run by women, mm-hmm. basically. And so this is def. I mean, fintech intersecting is definitely the most like male dominated place. Two male dominated spaces and then they get to come together. And And I feel like at public, it's never really felt like that because we were always kind of like outsiders and we had a lot of people outside the industry. But I'll go to conferences sometimes and I'm like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like it's like very obvious that I'm I went to an event that was around like ETFs a few weeks ago and I was like one of two women there. It's just weird. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys know women like like I, <laughs> they don't. They actually yeah. tell me that they don't. Yeah. And I need to figure out how to charge like a premium for my services, i.e. just being like, here's literally a 60 plus women that I know. Isn't that the best, though, when someone's like, do you know any great women? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> do you like well I mean my favorite is like hey like can you help me fill this panel I just need three or four I'll send them a list of like you know, yeah. three four let me like you know triple that whatever like yeah. I'll do 30 40 what do you want and yeah but yeah it's like a weird it's in my welcome email when someone signs up for my newsletter I'm like this is a place for women and allies yeah who are looking to diversify their network right try it out you know and so I think like also just Having making sure that like men are super, you know, aligned here in the kind of wave of wanting to be diverse in all of the the aspects, not just in the portfolio or product, but also in the humans making the decisions and creating the product. Yeah. One of my mentors is when I was younger told me always have like the most generous interpretation Mm. of assume someone's like best self is coming forward. But it's still, I think sometimes they don't even realize it. It's like, look who you're following. Like, you're look right. what you're reading. It's the way that a lot of us are getting content on social media and you're only following other guys that look like you in the same job. You're probably going to only see those people. Right. Hence why you don't know any women. Right. Which is, again, very weird. Right. And look at so, your Twitter feed, bro. Go to what who you're the- following. <laughs> and if you can scroll more than two things, two little scrolls without seeing anyone that doesn't look like you, like start There's- doing a little bit of, you know, a yeah. journey of self-discovery and, and finding new people. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's like inadvertent. And that's the thing that's like we worked with Ladies Get Paid, which is an organization I love. And we did this women's finance festival. And the three of us that were working on it, we listed out like 150 women in like 45 minutes. Like we had like tiers of asks that we were like making hard choices. And yeah, we knew them because like we were like, it's a women's community. They obviously know them, but it's like, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. And I get so frustrated and people are like, oh, it's so hard to find. It's like, no, it's not. You just got to change who you're hanging out with. It's like just like a little more effort, yeah. you know? And I think that's so true. People ask me all the time, like, especially, you know, white men, they'll be like, well, how do I... Well, not maybe not them specifically, but like, how do we collectively as a group cater to women or how do we like connect to them and all that stuff? And I think you hit it right, you know, on the head. It's what are you doing every single day? Yeah. What are you consuming? What books are you reading? Like what? Yeah. What movies are you watching? I mean, like even I'm so like cognizant of it now. Even I'm like on the, an airplane and I'm just like looking through the movie options and I'm just like, man, this a lot of these look the same, guys. And you you do have to actively diversify your network. Like I've had to actually, from my professional one to my friend group, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, go hang out with different people is the <laughs> is the takeaway. This is this is the takeaway. But yeah, I mean, maybe one of my final kind of thoughts is also just around you know helping more women. I think enter the space. I think people like you sitting in your seat, being open to say, hey, like there are roles outside of what you might think you know is fintech. Like you don't need to be an engineer. You don't need to be a coder. You can be in marketing. There's content to be made here. You know, I want. I would love to see more like creative people, especially women, enter this space. So, I mean, yeah, when you think about kind of being the wave of or the, the pathway, right, that someone else can follow, what are some of the things that you're like thinking of when you yeah. want to bring more I women th- up? I think in general, a lot of it is like visibility. I mean, at mm-hmm. Public, we have a lead engineer who's a woman, our first product designer who's still there is a woman, our mm-hmm. CFO. Like, so I think it's being in that environment like helps when I'm in the bubble of like my company. I don't feel as much when I go outside, but I think it's helpful obviously to see other people on those paths. Mm-hmm. And also I think not to be, you know, if tech and finance skew men dominated, there's less women like in that pipeline innately to think about not be intimidated to enter the space because you don't have a series seven or like, obviously there's roles that need that. But I think this industry needs a lot of people from different backgrounds. And I think don't like count yourself out before you're already in there, mm-hmm. because especially now that all this stuff is mainstream, like, you know, more than you think. Yeah. You know, like I came here today. I forgot. I totally forgot my wallet. And I was like, <laughs> my phone dies. That's not good. But I got everything else on there. You know, what I mean? it's like it's so embedded. That it's yeah. not this foreign thing anymore. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'd say to like people who are kind of on the outside and intimidated. Mm-hmm. We just got to get in there more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember my best friend and this all, of course, happens on Twitter. I see a friend of mine who runs her own RIA firm and she's like, I'm looking for a a ninja marketer, you know? And what and, is that? I mean, that's just what she said. Okay. okay. Um, anyways, I guess that I'm not sure what it no is. No shade, dear friend. No shade, dear friend. I love you. Anyway, but it, it just, that was the, what the tweet said. Yeah. And I was like, oh. and my best friend just like, she just had lost her job. And so I, I messaged her and I was like, I got someone for you. And then they connected and uh, I'll just never forget my friend being like, so she's asking me all these questions like I know nothing about financial services. Like, how do I prepare for this interview? And I was like, by m- talking about marketing, <laughs> like, by, yeah. by literally just talking about what you're good. I was like, but you're like, you know, everything about marketing. You say all these things I've never heard of before. And like, yeah, you're amazing at it. So it doesn't industry agnostic. And then you'll learn along the way. I mean, I had zero. My entire finance education is from being a reporter. There's nothing like we're on a kind of a great finance education because you're just learning new things and talking to the smartest people all day every day exactly like I got to learn literally just through like empathy like through hearing people's experiences in it and then also at the beginning being like thrown bank earnings and that's always one fun way to yeah but like that's why I think I love journalism because it's all about curiosity and like whenever people ask sometimes people will ask me to be like oh you're an expert or something I'm like I don't think I'm like an expert in anything at any given time because it's changing yeah I'm just super curious like I need to know like I'll find the person who knows and I'll ask them and then I'll have the baseline I don't pretend to be some like guru in Mm -hmm. any sense but I kind of just like I'm kind of like a student of what's out there and I'm always learning. And I think that's like the best thing you could be in any role. Right. And I don't think the way things are changing, there's very few like experts anymore because mm-hmm. the next day there's something new. Right. To learn. So I think that's that part of it, too, is like women want to like know that they know how to do mm-hmm. every single bullet on a JD. 
it's like, no. no, like someone had one conversation. The HR person typed it up. You know, like it's not. Yeah, it's it's, it's not real. When you when you kind of be on the other side of it, you're like, oh, OK, they're generally looking for something and you could be a fit. So don't count yourself out before you even get in the room. Hell yeah. Like put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope plenty hear this yeah and are all the Katy perry fans all the, in the yes. world yes i can't wait for all the Katy perry fans do you have a favorite uh Katy perry song gosh i'm so sorry yes. people must ask you this my favorite all the time okay you know my, it's because of the video the hot and cold video where she's in the wedding dress crying on the bike i just feel like it's iconic <laughs> like so oh that's gosh. probably my favorite what one mine i don't know what's my i don't really love any of the songs if i'm being honest um but that's my favorite video <laughs> she's a a great entrepreneur uh with a lot okay so yeah i mean there's also like i guess the california girls one is like a pretty interesting video is that the one where she puts like she has like the the guns on her oh no that's roar oh wait no roars in the jungle well, yeah maybe that is the one yeah yeah well and snoop dogs there so you know what's that, not to love exactly so, exactly yeah <laughs> well Thank you. Did you want to sing any song? No, I'm just so, so sorry. I do not sing. I will sing at karaoke and I'll pick like the 10 minute version of anything. Mm -hmm. Loaf, Taylor Swift, whatever it is. No, you are. I love music. music. Yes. Okay. But what's but I will not sing for you here. <laughs> I don't want you to lose viewers, basically. <laughs> um, people are waiting for the music. No. Okay. Wait, what's the palette like right now? What are we listening to? Ooh, I am really into. It changes all the time. I know. Okay, I like Zach Bryan, who's a country artist, which see, which you would be very like surprised, I think. But he's kind of got this Bruce. I love Bruce Springsteen's my favorite. Yeah, he's got this Bruce Dylan thing going, very good, and not like bro country, like mm -hmm. get on the truck and let's shake it. it yeah, it's like songwriting. It's not. Um, uh, what's that one called? Florida Georgia. Florida Georgia Line. Line. There's also a Luke Bryan. So this is right. This is Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan. Check out Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan. He's also doing this cool thing on his tour where he's trying to bypass Ticketmaster to make sure his actual fans get the tickets, which I love I think that. Is cool. I love but it. Yeah, that would be my. How about you? Ah. Uh, I mean, right now I'm listening to a lot of the Chloe Bailey album, which is new, and she's kind of like Beyonce's little protege. But the constant play uh, album in our home is Lucius. Ooh, I don't know if you've heard of Lucius. Yes, but yes, they. It's ever since we've discovered a man I'll never find. That song. Yeah. And and now the album is just on repeat in our home. Once you find something you like, just... Obsessed. We... Well, it's like my... I tend to obsess over, like, an album for some time, and then I'll move on, but I just... It's like I have to become one with it. It also just so happens that Anton over here knows the... One of the lead singer's husbands, like, oh. like their friend. Oh. Uh-huh. And so I'm like. waiting for the day that... uh That'll come through. Well, yeah, shit. No pressure at all. I mean, she's on that. likely not hear this. So. Maybe. One day, one day me and Holly will be friends. Anyway, um, but I should have the universe. I got this. I got to end this now. Okay, so final question. My son's <laughs> dying. Um, if we need to be the change that we wish to see, what change do you wish to see in fintech and how do you embody it? I think I'm kind of really, for the past few years, very into media literacy as a concept, just with everything going on. And I feel like, I mean, you get this as the journalism background. I don't think most people fundamentally understand the business of like how news or media works. Correct. And I think now that finances and uh, investing and things like that are mainstream, I think it carries over that I don't think they realize 
how financial media works and things mm-hmm. like, you know, SEO articles. If you search is XYZ stock a buy, you're probably going to see the article that says XYZ stock mm-hmm. is a buy because of SEO. And like there's nuances, that I think we really need to educate people on on that front and also policy policies more front and center. Now we're mm-hmm. actually doing a partnership with a starting point, which is Chris Evans nonprofit, just super cool. But we're doing uh, education on like you could go in the public right now and read an article about Dodd-Frank. Yeah. And like when was the first income tax in the United yeah. States? And I think the context is so important because we are so like zoned into the moment. Mm-hmm. But all this stuff happens like through history and history rhymes and repeats. And so that's my thing of like just helping people have the tools to understand how to parse through all the information that's out there in a responsible way, specifically with financial media, but all media, really. I love that take. It is so true. I think people don't really know what's like going on behind the scenes. And, you know, I think that what's so amazing about what fintech apps and then also like creators can do is that they get to actually be transparent about their stances, right? They, the biases are really just is like a, unfortunately became like a negative way to basically say you have values, you stand for something. Yeah. And You're I think human, everyone yeah, has bias. Yes, yeah. Literally. So figure it out, media. But anyways, well, you are doing good work Thank you. Uh, to help with that. And yeah, I mean, I'm just such a pleasure to have you. I feel like we met early back when this was yeah. called What the Fintech. Yes. At, at some point. But yeah. This is so, a great name. But this is also a great I name. I know. I'll have to do something. Lovely to be here with you and right back at you. I love everything you're doing. It's really important. So thanks oh. for having me. Thank you. Woohoo! Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. 